0: Well, good morning everybody. Good to be with you. My name's Tim and I uh, want to thank you for coming out this morning and a lot of people out of town and uh, out and about, so uh, good to have uh, those of us here. Good to see you here. It really is. Well, we're concluding a series called From Me to We, learning how to move our lives from this life of just me, myself and I to us and we. And um, we've been looking at this specifically and how it relates to relationships. Uh, God didn't mean you to be alone. He didn't make you to be alone. He made you for relationships. He made us for marriages, for families, for friendships, for co-workers, for neighborhoods, for classmates. Even in the body of Christ, He's made us to connect for relationships. He wants us to enjoy our relationships. But if we were honest... We'd probably say something like, you know, a lot of the conflict I have in life is with people. It's in these relationships with coworkers and family and friends. I've learned something. By the way, having conflict in a relationship has a big impact on me. I'm sure it has a big, hopefully, uh, I'm not the only person here that can understand this. I can have a great week, a lot of things going my way, a lot of things happening that are really good, a lot of blessings, but if I have a fallout with my wife or if we're having a difficult time, it just ruins everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can have a great at work or whatever. Or maybe things are going really good at work. And this week, you know, I mean, we've been having just, we're so busy at work. Things are going, we're really just having an over-the-top year. And I come in on a Tuesday, and I make one comment, and I get my head handed to me, and I'm thinking, back away, just back away. And, and tension is in the office, and I'm like, ugh. And all week, no matter what was going on, When I'd walk in, you could just sense something wasn't right. Because of a relationship, we couldn't enjoy anything else. That's what happens when your relationships go sideways. And maybe you can see this in a a marriage. We all experience this, or we've seen it in a marriage or in a friendship or a family that's strained and broken or there's drama in the workplace. Why? Why are these things happening in our relationships? What causes marriages to crumble or friendships to fall apart? or a roommate to move out, or a partnership to part ways. Well, if you do an autopsy on the relationship, you find there's a magic bullet, there's a silver bullet, there's a toxic core to this, and it's called pride. It destroys all relationships. Here in Proverbs 16, 18, on your notes and up here on the screen, look what the Bible says here in the New Century Version. Pride leads to destruction. A proud attitude brings ruin. You see, my desire to be first, my desire to be recognized, my desire to be right, my preoccupation to be impressive, and my, my deep desire to be independent or to be in charge ruins not only my life, but my me life as well. Just think about it. Pride does that. Now I'm going to give you six ways pride ruins our relationships. The way it expresses itself and has a negative impact on our relationships. Let's see if any of these you can identify with. The first one is, I won't admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about here? That's what pride does. We're stubborn. Now look, we're not right all the time. You're not right all the time. I know you'd like to think you're right most of the time. But you may be. But you're not right all the time. None of us are. None of us have it all figured out. And why is it? Why is it so hard to admit when I'm wrong? Why is it is it just a trait in my family or just why is it so difficult to say I'm wrong like I remember years ago in a show called Happy Days you had the Fonz and he could not say he was wrong he would go I'm he could not admit he was wrong and many of us we understand that I understand that it's hard to admit you're wrong why why are we why are we so reluctant and so resistant to admitting we're wrong well, I think it comes from a deep seated fear of looking stupid, of looking incompetent, of looking weak. And in our preoccupation not to show weakness, not to show incompetence, guess what we are showing with pride? Uh, We're showing a lot more than we realize. We're showing our immaturity. We're showing our lack of respect for other people. We're showing that, that we don't want to learn much. In other words, it robs us. It shows that these opportunities to learn from others get lost. And it robs us of learning. And it shows the distance that we have in our relationships. Another thing that um, the way pride expresses itself and ruins my relationships is I refuse to listen to others. Because I want to admit I'm wrong, I'm not going to listen to other people either. I've heard it said pride will blind you, but it also will deafen you. You won't hear what people are trying to say. You're not interested in listening. Because, listen, because my thoughts and my ideas and my feelings matter so much to me, I'm closed to the perspective of others. And this, listen, this egotistical attitude turns people off. How many of you have been around somebody that just won't listen? You're not around them long, are you? No. Don't look at them. Now, just think about it, okay? (laughs) Number three, I have little or no interest in the truth. Arrogant people are out of touch with their personal reality. They're usually the last person to know of their problem. (laughs) Been there, done that. And if they do know, if finally they go, okay, then they begin to shade. They begin to twist. They begin to hide the truth in order to protect themselves, protect their reputation or their image. And the thing is, the truth is eventually going to come out. You really can't hide it forever. Another thing that pride does is, and how it ruins our relationships, and how it expresses itself is, I don't ask for help. I just don't ask for help. Some people think asking for help, me, I'll just say me. I don't know how you are, but I know the reason I don't ask for help is because I think it's a sign of weakness. And as I'm getting older and more in tune, I'm getting weaker and weaker. Next week we're doing a series called Word Power and the cover of the bulletin. I want you to look at it real close. There's this arm. And I told Thomas that I just traced my arm for the bulletin cover. I don't want to be weak. I'm losing muscle mass. I can't lift as much. I don't, I don't want to admit I don't know something. I don't want to admit that I need somebody's help. See, I want to do everything on my own. And I don't know when we started learning this. The other day, I'm watching my grandchildren again, and they reminded me how early on we learned this. I'll do it. I'll do it. I can do it. Let me do it. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get you in the car seat. I want to do it. Stop it and i'm thinking what's wrong with you the same thing was wrong with me when i was that age same thing goes wrong with you at that age we learn early and for some reason our american culture especially that i can spirit i can't do it by myself i will do it by myself and i'll crash and burn before i'll admit that i need some help with something and see refusing to ask for help when you need it only makes you it makes you look stubborn and independent and foolish, and that's why our friends and family kind of back off. They try to help. And why do we do this? We keep, we keep everybody away from helping us, and then we complain that nobody wanted to help us. Well, I tried to get some help. Nobody want to help me. It's because we've we've they finally surrendered because you've refused to surrender. They've surrendered to go. Okay, you want to do it on your own. Have at it. You know. and And what do we do? We crash and burn sometimes because we needed help. But we refuse to ask. We're stubborn about that. Number five, I don't do what is good for me. I don't do what is good for me out of spite. Now, what do you mean by that, Tim? And I know this and really well. Just like listening, I won't do something that I know would be beneficial to me because the idea came from somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody suggests a book... Somebody suggests an idea. Somebody suggests an an approach. And I I don't want to acknowledge when someone else has a good idea or good advice or knows something I don't. And it's this lack of appreciation. This lack of respect is sensed by the relationship in our relationships. And it comes off as rejection. No wonder people begin to back away from us. It's because I don't want to give them any credit. I don't know how many books have been recommended to me. And I thought, now if I'd have found that book, I would have recommended it. But somebody else is recommending it, so I'm not going to read it. Or uh, somebody goes to a movie before I do it. Oh, you've got to see this movie. It's really good. Well, I'm not going to go see it now. Well, why not? I'm just Stubborn. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be nudged to do something. I don't want to be encouraged to do something because that means it's your idea. And if it had been my idea, and by the way, if I went and saw the movie first, guess what I'd have done? I'd just have been the first to say, hey, you ought to go see that. That's pride. Pride. Being a stinker. When That's what my grandmother would say. You're being a stinker, Tim. You're being a stinker when you do that. And number six, I convey a sense of superiority over other people. Because I'm prideful, I'm conceited. I'm haughty. And because of that, I compare and I compete with other people. See, this makes me aloof. Pride makes me aloof and it makes me callous to the needs of others. Because I think I'm better, listen, because I think I'm better, I bully people. I push them around. I thought about this some more I hold grudges longer than I should I'm not as forgiving you see I hold grudges because I've convinced myself I'm a better person and I shouldn't have been treated that way I don't forgive because well you shouldn't have wronged me you're the one that's in the wrong not me I don't own my own in other words and this makes peace impossible in relationships I'm not as thankful. I don't, how often have you said thank you? Do you say thank you? Oh, it's a sign of weakness, like I need it. Pride, pride is doing that, not humility, pride. And that just makes, makes it very tough for us to get along with each other, with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers. As I went through this, looked at this series, I've come to realize that relationships depend on love. Think about this. Love, they depend on trust, they depend on understanding, and they also depend on something else. It's called humility. And I bring, listen, church, you want to bring humility in your relationships. You want to, you want to be that person that brings humility. Because when you do, God blesses it big time. Look at this here. I I wrote wrote on, I think, the notes that God values humility. I've got one verse on your notes and two more to look at because there's just not enough room. Um, God highly values humility. Look at this passage in Micah 6. This is a passage that we've been looking at. So the Lord has told you what is good. He's told you what He wants from you. And look what he wants from you, he says. To do what is right to other people. To do to, to love, being in other words, love being kind to others. And live humbly, trusting your God. Do what's right, be merciful, and be humble. Boy, if we could just get those three down. Wouldn't that be something? Just those three. You bring to your marriage, I'm gonna do what's right, what God says is right, not what I think is right, what God says is right, what's, right, what's the right thing to do. I'm gonna be merciful, and I'm gonna be humble. Oh my. What would that do to a family? What would that do to a co-, to a workspace, to the workplace? He, he values it so much, he's, one of the things he wants us to be is humble. Look at this passage in Philippians 2, 3 up on the screen. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Notice the, I want you to notice two words there. Do nothing out of these. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. What is he talking about there? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. What's that? That's a form of pride that's really saying it's about me. Or vain conceit. In other words, don't do anything with the attitude, I'm always right. Rather, he says, in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility has a big impact on how I see other people. And He says, in humility, have this humility and value others above yourself. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute here. And look at this passage in James 4.10. Be humble before the Lord. It always starts our relationship with God, doesn't it? like we learned in the very first lesson in this series. The very first relationship on this planet was between Adam and God, not Adam and Eve. That's the most important relationship you have. And he says, be humble before the Lord and He will make you great. I was with James Lampley this week again. He's the preacher in the Godfrey Church in Godfrey. And we're talking and he says, I told him what I was wanting to talk about. He goes, you know, Tim, one of the things I'm noticing is How much God blesses humility. How much He rewards it. He always rewards it so much more than most blessings He gives. And I started looking. There's only one other attitude that God talks about blessing more than humility, and it's generosity. Right after generosity, it's humility. Isn't that something? I know He blesses obedience. I know He blesses morality. I know He blesses godliness, but humility is mentioned specifically. It's the second most talked about promise from God. And He says, and God always just goes crazy blessing if I just give a little humility. He just says, man, you're being like Jesus just for a few minutes. Man, I want to bless you to show you how good it is. He says He'll make me great. He'll make you great. Does that include my relationships? Absolutely. You want better relationships? You want great friendships? A great marriage? a great family, a great workplace, bring humility in there and watch what happens. Be that person that humbles themselves. So how can I do that? Well, Let me give you four ways I bring humility into my relationships. Number one, one of the best ways, I don't demand my own way. One translation says something about Jesus. He did not demand His own way. Look at this passage here in Philippians 2. We're really going to tear apart this passage in Philippians 2 some. In humility it says, value others above yourselves. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let me ask you, are you demanding? You ever find yourself demanding? I don't know if I'm a demanding person. I'll tell you how you know. How do you treat a waiter or a waitress when you don't get the right order? How do you treat somebody at the counter that just, you know, it's their first day and or their second day and they're not very good at their job? See, I've been—I'm on both sides of this issue, both sides of the counter. I have people yelling at me and giving me nothing but guff and taking my head off because of their windshield leaks. And they're, it's almost like—and I noticed something else: the more expensive the car, the more demanding the person is. My brother can vouch for that. <laughs> A Mercedes, an Audi. I don't ever have somebody going off on me that's got a, you know, a '98 Cavalier, and there's a hole in the muffler. They seem to be more understanding. And there's times when I, you know, I, I I will be at a restaurant. I'll be at Frank's. You know, this week I went to Frank's again and had that egg sandwich, and I'm telling you guys, it's the best. It's over the moon, man. And I ordered Swiss cheese, but the waitress forgot and put regular American cheese. She goes, oh, I messed up. I forgot. It's okay. Oh, I messed up. It's okay. Don't you worry about it. I'm so sorry. I don't know how many times I listen to waitresses and waiters say, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's, I don't want, listen, man, it's okay. I, I'll eat it. I'll eat cardboard. It's okay. Why? Because I've been on the other end of that thing and it isn't fun. I don't know the day they've had. Are you demanding go into to a dealership or you go into a mechanic and blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, oh, good grief. I've had people come in and just, they didn't even give me a chance. I, one time I had to say to somebody, will you at least give me a chance to try to make it right? No. I said, okay, here's your money back. They didn't have to be snotty at me. I don't know about you, but when, when somebody's demanding, it doesn't make the relationship, it doesn't make me want to help somebody. And so I know that this idea of, of uh, if I want to bring humility into a relationship, I've got to deal with my way. See, most of the conflict I'm finding in my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with some of you, is I'm fighting a battle over my territory. I'm fighting this battle. I'm gonna die on this hill, I'll even say sometimes. And Jesus says, oh no, no, no. You don't want to die on your hill, Tim. You want to, you know what Jesus practiced? He died on their hill. You hear me? He died on your hill, not on his hill. He didn't demand his own way. Pride makes it about others. I don't look at my own interests, but at the interests of other people. Pride, pride is about standing, and humility is about surrendering. I yield my way to other people. This is something we've been learning, Gary and Alan and I, we've been, we get together, and we, we used to just butt heads all the time. I had what I wanted to see done, they had what they wanted to see done, and we'd have these tension, this incredible tension in a meeting. Am I, am, that's true. And I remember Alan bringing the table. All of a sudden, he's going, you know what, it don't have to be my way. You know, we always got this... I, I, I got it. It's my way. I, it's right way. It's the best way. And I'm convinced of it. And then we have to convince everybody. Why do we have to convince everybody if it's the best way? Is everybody stubborn but me? I mean, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea, folks. And how oh, many times we sit around... And I remember Alan bringing this table of humility and saying, I'm learning that it doesn't have to be my way. And I went, thank God! Now I can be my way. And he said, no, Tim, I I didn't share for that reason. (laughs) I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying I'm not going to fight so much. I'm going to, I'm going to be more selective in the battles I fight because we fight over the dumbest and silliest stuff. No, I give up my way. I yield my way. Kinda of like when people drive up. You're the person right of that person, and they came later. And it's your turn? I mean, legalistically, by law. But you wave them on anyway? That's yielding, see? That's yielding. You're saying, okay, I don't have to be first. I don't have, I didn't have to be the one. And I've learned something. Like I say, in the last couple of years, we've been incorporating this, and we're getting tighter and closer, and we're working better together. Well, you just don't have anything to fight over. Oh, you want to be. we got lots to fight over. But we've learned. There's a fight inside. See, Jesus, He didn't demand His self. He didn't demand His own way. He died. He died before He died. I'll I'll say it. He died before he died. Made it so much easier. Look at this in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another. Now he's saying in the context of relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why? Because he had that same mindset with relationships. Who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made Himself someone. No. He made Himself nothing. Nothing. There wasn't a trace of selfishness in the heart of Jesus. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, a servant, no rights, in other words, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself i heard somebody say this to me that you know was talking about this if i don't humble myself i'm going to get humiliated if i don't humble myself either god or somebody's going to humiliate me to remind me to choose it first That's how bad God wants humility. I mean, think about it. Here's Jesus. He has status. He has position. He's got Himself in the flesh. But when the time came for you and I, for our relationship with God, He set aside His privileges. He gave up His place. Remember what He said? Not My will, but Yours be done. That's humbling yourself. You're, you're yielding your way. He yields His way to choose a path of a servant. And, and it was a painful path at that because it involved the death on a cross. I understand something. He's dying to make a relationship better. Listen to me. He says it's worth dying for to make a relationship better. And if you say, I'm going to die on this hill, let it be someone else's hill. Humble out. I got chills just thinking about that. Number two, I own my mistakes. I want to bring humility. Oh, my mistake. Just think about this. How much quarreling and resentment and bitterness and tension would just simply go away if I had opened my mouth and owned it? This week, we had a little tension in the office. We're overworked. I'm saying no to people now. We can't do all that. And it's still not working. We did as much business... In April, as we did the second year we did in, in, in business all year. It just, it was just nuts in one month. And everybody's snapping and biting at each other. And I do believe this. I believe God's been blessing me. You know, you can't outgive God. I decided to give, uh, be generous in this special contribution and God goes, oh, you're not going to do that to me and get away with it, Tim. I'm going to bless you. And so I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of this stuff. And I'm gonna test him again. That he's not gonna test God again here. But I, but besides some point, the thing I just remember was I come in and I, Monday I, I wasn't at the office. I come in Tuesday and I'm walking in and I, I got my brother on the phone and I'm listening to the office and they're working some stuff and, and I'm watching, uh, one of my workers sit there and she is under a lot of pressure. And I'm going, well, I listen, and my brother's telling me, hey, tell him I'm over here and that I can maybe work on this problem. And hey, listen, my brother happens to be over there and bam, snap, pow, I get my head handed to me. And I'm like, I don't need anybody else telling me what to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm the boss. <laughs> and I, I catch myself thinking that backing away like I'm, like I'm standing before a rhinoceros. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm the boss. I'm, I'm paid to tell you what to... I'm, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm going, oh, what, what, why are you acting this way? And I start coming down on her. You think that helped anything? Absolutely not. And the rest of the week, there's this elephant in the room. I'm trying to work, and I'm, you know, moving around the elephant going, okay, I want to just let you know I want to be over here. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, just, you know, it'll work. Nobody will admit anything until Friday. And there's this tension all the time around the place. I've even got it carried on at home. I'm thinking, man, i got this tent. What is it from? I know what it's from. Got my head handed to me by an employee. And all I was trying to do was help. Well, you're no help at all. So I walk away and she goes, well, walk away. Just walk away. <laughs> and I'm trying to think, how am I going to deal with this? Because I'm looking at Humility. And I go, look, I'm just trying to help. It took everything I had just to say that. And I go, I leave. And I want to kill. I want to hurt somebody. And so the week, on finally Friday, she looks at me and goes, I need to apologize. And let me tell you something. Even if it was a four days later when she said I need to apologize, I said, well, you know, I didn't handle myself very well either. I want to apologize. No, no, no. I really was out of line. (laughs) How that I can't believe that that's just saying that what it does. Think about how much tension. Think about how much conflict, how much pressure you relieve if you just if we just open our mouths and say something. But if I admit my mistake to him, they'll have it over me. They'll have what over it? They'll have it over me. (laughs) You know what? If that's the way they're going to treat you, then they've got some pride. And that's their problem. Don't make pride yours. (laughs) No, that's simple. Let me tell you what will be over you. It won't be them. It'll be your ego. And it will ruin you and run over you and note listen, I know this is true, and yet I fall for it every time, but it's true. No ego is worth protecting, because it leads to ruin. So own it, admit it, and use humility to defeat it. Listen to Proverbs 28, "...the man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful." But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Humility, see, fills our relationships with second chances. Great relationships are filled with second chances. And that's because there's lots of humility in there. See, I've learned something. Humility is the atom bomb of sin. You know what I'm saying? It's the 30-06 of sin. I mean, when you when you bring humility into sin, it don't know what to do with it. It just falls apart. How do I know that? Because Jesus brought humility when He defeated sin, when He defeated our sin. Look what it says. He humbled Himself by being fully obedient to God, even when it caused His death, death on the cross. You see, that's how you defeat sin. Jesus says, I bring humility in it Tim, and it can't stand it. I take the wind out of it. He brings humility on a cross. And I bring humility when I die to myself and confess and just be honest with my stuff. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. And humility owns it. Number three, I give more honor to others. I think, you know, I've listened to somebody say, humility is so misunderstood today. And I think it's true. I've, I've fell for this as well. We think humility means to think less of yourself. I'm a zero. I'm a mess. I'm nothing. That's false humility. That's all that is, is false humility. Humility, listen, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. That's all it is. That's what it should be. It's thinking of yourself less. You say, well, you know, it's being honest about your strengths. Because we all have strengths. Every one of us here has something we're good at. But also being honest with your weaknesses. You know, all of us here have weaknesses. And that's just being honest about that. But humility goes further. It's thinking of myself less. It's thinking more of others. Look again at Philippians 2. When you do things do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than yourself. See, our culture just teaches the opposite, doesn't it? Our culture lifts up these brazen, confident, cocky people. We pay money for these guys dunking the ball, putting it in the net. Whatever They're just so, oh, look at that. Or, or these movie stars or whatever. We lift up these people. Look how confident they are. And they're, they're prideful. They're prideful. And, and, and our culture is so, listen, humility is so counter-cultural right now. And it, if you don't see it, think about this. We've, our culture is teaching you and I to put our feelings, our goals, our careers, our happiness first in our lives. And see, great marriages, great friendships, and great relationships with our children and our parents are built with humility, not with pride. It's the kind of humility that forgets about yourself and respects and honors other people. Again, Romans 12.10. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. See, listen, humility has nothing to do with how you think about yourself. It has everything to do with how you think about others. One of the ways I learned this week I just learned this this week the way you honor people is by paying attention to them. We got a call from a guy, some man, and Denise sometimes will put the person on uh, the, the the customer on speaker because They're just having a hard time communicating and they're talking and that's an old person and they're just talking and, well, I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm trying and this old man and I'm feeling bad, I'm trying, finally, I said, you know, you want to go spit it out? Just say it. And finally he goes, I'm trying to get this molding on this car and I don't know, I'm trying to donate this car and is there any way you can get to it? And we're jammed and I'm like, Denise, I don't know, we're going to help him, you know. Well, I don't know if we can help you today. Well, we'll see. And 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 finally I I decide I'm getting in my van and I'm gonna go out and help the guys because it's it's gotten crazy and I gotta go put some glass in. Well, this Denise goes, would you go by this old guy? This 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 guy, you know, and I go, Okay, where is he? Well he's down I gotta drive 30 minutes to get to him. Pride? Pride? I'm in the service industry. So I drive, I get there, and he's not there. So I call him. Hello? Hello? And I go, hi, this is Tim from W. Oh, hi. Hold on. Hello? And it's his wife. What is it? And I said, I'm Tim from W. blah, 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 trying to fix your, you know, husband. Well, hold on. Let me give you the code to our garage so you can open it. You're gonna give, you don't even know me and you're gonna give me the code? Are you stupid or what? Okay. What is your code? One, two, three, four. We'll be there. My husband will be there in ten minutes. So I look at the car, and we can't. I don't. We can't fix it. It's Corey knows what I'm talking about We're putting a top molding on a BMW. It had been put in by an aftermarket glass, so it's glued in. There's no way to help this guy. There's no way to get this molding in without pulling the glass. He doesn't want to spend any money because he's donating the car. Blah blah blah. If I told you my story. Here he comes driving up, and he gets out. I'm getting better at imitating old people. I don't know if that's good. Hi, my name's Tom. I go hi, Tom. Uh, I'm in uh, I a car. I said, yeah, I've been looking at Tom, and here's what I tell you. What here's what I'm gonna do, and he's 86 years old. And I'm talking to him and we're talking about life and talking about things and I'm telling him what what's going on. He goes, you know, Tom, you really don't need to put this in. And and then I'm talking to him, he goes, You know what? You're a very nice man. I'm thinking, why is he saying that? I'll tell you why. I didn't give him any money to say it. See, I can always get money you can always get money to give to people. You know what I'm giving him my time. I've driven down personally. We told him we wouldn't get to him until next week. We're there the same day. And I'm I'm there an hour. I got things to do. But this man is needing some attention. And so what do I do? I humble out and we start talking. He reminds me of Vernon. That's the problem. And I get into Vernon mode and we're just talking. He's talking about his life, being on a farm. He, I bought a farm 20 years ago for $50,000 and then I sold it for over a million. Can you believe it? I'm going, well, sucks to be me. <laughs> Wish I could find stuff like that, you know. I, mean, I buy farms all the time, and, and, and then Danny shows up, and here's my brother, and we're, you know, Danny's just grinning from ear to ear. We're talking about life, about growing up on farms, and then he, then he goes, you know, I had a friend, and why is he talking about this? He goes, I had a friend, and we had lunch together three times a week for fifty years, and then he starts crying, and he died just a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, this man is still dealing with the death of his best friend.